So I'm going to pray for us. Today, God wants you to experience being deeply seen and deeply loved. It's what Holy Spirit is always doing, and I believe he wants to do it in a unique and special way today on Mother's Day. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're inside of us. We thank you that you lead us into all truth. You lead us to the Lord Jesus and you lead us to love and you lead us to the agape love of God, the unconditional, wonderful love of being seen, known and celebrated by God. And you're going to do that in our hearts today in a fresh way. And the title of my talk is really Mothers Are Everywhere. And I want to talk that mothers are a gift from God to all humanity as one of the ways that God shows us his heart and shows us what he is like. In a loving mother, whether that's a, a, a your mum or, or a spiritual mum or, 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 or someone you know has been like a mum, in a loving mother we can see Christ. Because Jesus himself said he longs to gather his people like a mother hen would gather her chicks under his wings, or under her wings, sorry. Mother's Day is an opportunity to celebrate the gift of mothers. And I want to celebrate the gift of mothers today by talking about three mothers in my own life. I want to talk about my own mum, natural mum, I want to talk about a lady in the church I went to when I was 18 called Joan Gowing, who was a lady in her late 60s at the time and now is, I believe, knocking, I don't know, nearly, nearly 90 maybe. And I also want to talk about Suzette, my mother-in-law, and uh, Rochelle's mum. So I want to talk about my mum, my natural mum first. And one of the things my mum always did for me all through my life was fiercely believe in me with a passion and that she saw in me the gold and she always called it out. I, I remember as a teenager really struggling to think where on earth do I fit in the world? Many of you know that I don't possess particularly practical skills and struggle to see straight lines and put shells up. And in a working class family, the only real thing that I possibly could do was to maybe do something in that area. But my mum believed in the creativity and the artist in me. And as a mum refused to panic and she refused to lose hope and kept on believing in me. And at 17, I got a job in a travel agency. And I hated that job. Um, I don't know if you can believe it, but I was so painfully shy. And the thought of every day going and having to try and sell customers holidays or, or have to be on the phone to airlines, because that's what you had to do in those days, it's pre-internet, absolutely terrified me. And I said to my mum, I've got to get out, I've got to quit. And there was no sense of panic in her voice. She said, just said, let's go to the pub and we'll have half a beer and talk about it. It was such a special moment. She encouraged me. She nurtured. She said, there's hope. 
You can be confident. There was encouraging words. There is a way. And this was before any of us knew the Lord Jesus. That's just how she's been. And this love was never based on the kind of exam results I might get or, or the talents I may have or the attainment I might have. It's just the experience of just being unconditionally loved. And so I can see in her God, a God who believes, a God who protects, a God whose love never <coughs> loses hope and never despairs, a God who's always encouraging, God who's always nurturing, a God who's always believing and never stops. In 1984, we bought what was really popular at the time, a soda stream. <laughs> Do you know, remember what a soda stream was? You could make fizzy drinks any time. It had carbonated water and you could add syrup and you could just make these drinks. In our family, we were told you can have one soda stream a day, but at weekends you can have two. I didn't stick to that. <laughs> I was sneaky and I was grabbing soda streams two, three times a day and then the syrup was just disappearing. So I was sneaky and then I think I probably lied <laughs> about my sneakiness but the syrup told the truth. You couldn't deny it. The syrup was going down. And my mum, she called it out. I think she caught me red-handed. <laughs> caught me red-handed, maybe, having more than one in the week. And there was this gentle calling out. Hey, the syrup's going down. What did we agree? And it wasn't a harsh word. It wasn't a punishing word. It wasn't a removing affection word. It was just speaking the truth in love. I felt devastated at being caught. I felt affronted, maybe annoyed that I'd been caught and I denied it and went into the garden with my glass of soda stream and threw the glass down the garden path. It smashed everywhere because I'd been found out. And she actually just chuckled and, and smiled and it just broke the moment because there was no punishment. It was just laughing at a child who had been caught and didn't like being caught. Likewise, the Father leads us into freedom and he at times will call out, hey, the syrup's going down. <laughs> You're doing what you shouldn't do. And he will call it out and he'll call out immaturity but it's kind and unpunishing and never the removing of affection and love and kindness. He may even chuckle at our resistance in the most kind and wonderful way, but never distancing himself, always <coughs> approachable, always his love fully on and undiminished and unchanged, always moving towards us with affection <coughs> with the desire for connection, with the desire for our freedom. When it was a really hot day, and in the 80s, we had a few hot days, not many, but we had hot days, 
we'd be in bed in the summer holidays and we'd hear a voice shout upstairs, it's gonna be a humdinger. <laughs> My mum obviously had been up a while and she had this phrase humdinger, I don't know where it came from, I think she made it up. Humdinger meant hot day. Hot day, it's gonna be a good day, it's gonna be a good one. And we would get up excited and said, this is a day we're gonna walk across the park of Ipswich and we're gonna walk to Peter's Ice Cream. Peter's Ice Cream was a manufacturer of ice cream in Ipswich, kind of really quite nice, and we, we always looked forward to that. But there was this sense of celebration and joy in waking up. And even in painful situations, she could create joy and celebration at the most mundane, ordinary moments. You know, God is joyful. God is so joyful. He's never jaded. He's never bored. There's a theologian who says every time he brings up the sun in the morning, he says, wow, another day. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And in a sense, as we grow up as adults, we become more jaded. But God is not like that. He celebrates every day and all the possibilities and all the potential. He's the joyful God. Last thing on my mum, it was really because of my mum that I came to know the Lord Jesus. She had suddenly come to Christ when the Holy Spirit had filled the whole house with his presence after she had been in a conversation with some Christians from work. She'd gone there as an atheist to convince them they were wrong. <laughs> she, she left saying, I wish I could believe what you believe. Opened up the door, imagine this, God filled the house. So she came to Christ that night, and, and then in the morning, she said, I've become a Christian. We laughed and mocked. You're, you, you've been putting people off Jesus for years, having lovely, having these kind of discussions about God isn't real, and now you're a Christian. Hilarious. And we were surprised by her story. But we trusted her story. We never doubted that what she said had happened had had happened. We were perplexed and confused and bemused and didn't understand, but we believed that something had happened. And so I remember as an 18-year-old, drawn out to ask questions and ask her how it happened, being drawn to Christ through my mum's story. I trusted her because, you know what, every, all through our childhood she'd always cultivated connection she'd always cultivated fun and we literally like little chicks one after the other followed her to Jesus in six months me my brother and my sister we believe you it's happened Joan Gowing I became a Christian when I was 18 and Joan Gowing was one of the older ladies in the church she had become a widow when she was in her 40s. So she'd been a widow a really, really long time. I don't know how tall she is, and she's alive to this day, but she's not five foot. <laughs> she's tiny. And <coughs> she just loved Jesus, and she was just so open to the Holy Spirit. In the 1990s, when the Holy Spirit was impacting us with what was called the Toronto Blessing, and it was wild and crazy. God bring more of those times of saturated fullness of the Holy Spirit. Joan was right in and right in the center of it. And what I always loved about Joan was she loved 
people unconditionally, just loved people. And she still glows to this day with love for people. We sadly went to a funeral a year ago and just caught Joan's eye across the, across the room. And that eyes are still loved, still caught. And thought, oh, Joan, this special connection to that lady. She, everything she prayed came from a deep relationship with God. I led my first house group when I was 20 with Joan and another lady called Sarah. And I just, we used to go and visit people and in the community. And I always used to just love praying with Joan, just being in the room with Joan because she didn't just know God. She didn't just know about God. She knew God. She hung out with God. God was her best friend. And, and it would just come out this faith and expectancy. I guess it reminds me of Jesus, whose whole life, his public life was rooted in his private relationship with the Father. Jesus' whole life was in his secret place where he just enjoyed being with the Father, enjoyed being seen, enjoyed being loved. And Joan was like that. Joan Gowing once said to me, Jamie, do you want to come with me to the local prison to visit prisoners? No, Joan, I don't really. <laughs> but I just said, yeah, I'll go with you, Joan. And we go for all the security and all the stuff to get into the prison. I was terrified, but this lady, 60-year-old lady, under five foot, was fearless. And she had this fire in her eyes, and it was the fire of unconditional, compassionate love to these Prisoners. She just wanted to show Jesus to them. She just wanted to introduce Jesus to, to them. And she treated each and every one like they were her son. Like that, this deep affection that had come from the Father for people. And she just loved them. And she expressed to them the love of God. The unconditional agape love of God. That just said to prisoners, there's a home for you. There's a way home for you. You can come home. I don't mind what you've done. I don't care whatever you've done. You could come home. And just, it was often just in the way she would say, oh, Jesus loves you so, so much. She showed me a God of boundless compassion. A God who, it didn't matter how far someone had fallen and how broken they were or how many mistakes they had made, that the love of God is compassionate and boundless and fierce and fiery and will rush and go through any wall. That God has a desire for people and a passion for people and an energy for people. And he'll come through a under five foot tall woman in a men's prison if he wants to. He'll come because nothing will stop God's love. And I imagine those prisoners looked into Joan's eyes and maybe they were disconnected from their own families but would see the love of a mother. And I'm thinking, what would it have been like to look into the eyes of Jesus, to look into the eyes of such compassion, grace and acceptance, to look into the eyes of God and not find judgment, to look into the eyes of God and be seen and fully known and celebrated. What was it like for the woman caught in the very act of adultery to know that he wasn't going to condemn her and to look into the eyes of God and see the warmth and the, the magnetism of God looking at you and saying, it can be different. 
The future can be different. What was it like for the woman at the well to look into the eyes of the one who flung stars into space and created the cosmos and the galaxy, who sat by the well and was thirsty, and she looked at him and he looked at her, and what did she see? It can be different. I can, it can all be different. You can worship me in spirit and truth. You can know me. It's what Joan showed me in so many ways. That God looks at us and sees us and celebrates us and says, you're special to me and you're known by me. And finally, Suzette, Rochelle's mum. Really interesting. We've been married, I think it's 27, I think it's 27 years this year. And I don't think I've really ever had a deep conversation with Suzette because I can speak some French, but I speak French like a three-year-old sometimes. Everything's present tense. It's all now and it's... It doesn't have nuances. So uh, this is a, a relationship of connection there, where there's a language barrier that has prevented real sharing of heart through words and, and yet knowing being deeply loved. It's really interesting that in the silence, in the inability to necessarily articulate who you are with words and yet still feeling deeply loved and appreciated, Sometimes it's just sitting at breakfast with her, and we're not really saying very much, but just knowing, I know this person really loves me, really likes me, and we've never really had huge, long, lengthy conversations. Sometimes our life with God is talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, trying to convince him that we're something, someone, something special trying to clothe our nakedness with our achievements or our fears. There's a relationship with God that exists in the space between words. You can be with someone and you can't, don't even say anything, but you just know I'm with you. And I know you love me. And I know you see me. And I want to be with you. It's the being still and knowing. It's the hearing God in the sound of sheer silence. We're together. We're in this space together. I'm seen, I'm known, I'm loved, I'm with you. I'm not doing anything. I'm not striving to get somewhere. I am somewhere because you're in me. You're with me. You've forgiven me. You've made all things new. Mm. Just knowing that you're deeply loved, seen and celebrated. I experienced that with Suzette. I just get to be. There's no performance because I can't <laughs> perform. I can't, I can't perform and I, I sometimes do things to help out, but I, I can't be impressive. I can't tell about what I do and don't do. I can't, can't, can't weave a picture of my achievements. Just am, just with, just being there. Just being with God, not using lots of words, not justifying ourselves, or excusing ourselves, or explaining ourselves, or speaking out of our fear with him, or trying to be Impressive, just sitting with Jesus and knowing that you're loved is amazing and such a beautiful invitation. We had a discussion, I'm not quite sure where this phrase came, comes from. I thought that Suzette called me her shushu, which means her favourite. And I know she also calls my brother in law, Christoph, her shushu, her favourite. And I know she says that to everyone. And I know sometimes she says, I'm going to make what my shoo-shoo loves to eat. <laughs> what do you want to eat? What's your favourite food? And even though I know that 
all the people in her life and in, her, in the family is, are the shushu, doesn't change that I'm the shushu. <laughs> doesn't change my experience of being her favourite if everyone's her favourite. Doesn't change that at all. John, in the Gospel, says the disciple, the disciple Jesus loved. Because he, he kind of knew he was loved. He's the one who's got his head on Jesus and he's right close. But I bet every one of them would say, actually, I'm the one Jesus loves. Peter could say it. I'm the one Jesus loves the most. Paul would say it. Mary Magdalene could say it. The woman at the well could say it. It's a kind of relationship what Jesus invites us into. Like being his favourite, being his shoo-shoo, being the one he... And you just walk around, I'm, I'm his shoo-shoo, I'm his favourite. I'm God's favourite. I'm loved and appreciated, known and seen. So let me conclude. When you look into his eyes, what do you see? Do you see that you're his favourite? That you are loved? That you are seen? That you are celebrated? That you are liked? The good news about Jesus is there's an invitation to come home because you're unconditionally loved to be gathered to come to Jesus and grow up by becoming small. To become big by becoming little. Let me read you just a few words on the love of God. In the New Testament, Paul uses the word agape. Paul uses this same word for the love of God, expressed in his son, Jesus Christ. There is, this is, a kind of love that is not self-seeking, does not beg grudges and keeps no record of wrongs. It is love put into action, not just when it's deserved, but when it's undeserved. It is the quality of love that God has for us and the kind of love that God pours into our hearts when we begin to believe in him. Of course the Bible tells us that God loves us and many of us believe it intellectually but it's like living under an umbrella and the rain of his love and goodness bounces off us because we find it so hard to receive.